Snapchat really took that to the extreme and started doing these like micro content, you know, 30 second, 60 second pieces of content that you can view that were, you call it disappearing, expiring, whatever. And it makes you feel like I have to look at this thing or it's going to be gone forever. Yep. So it creates a sense of urgency for people to need to be in the loop. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Jeff, put your futurist hat on for a minute. What do you think the future of social media will be like? I think it's going to be stories, but in the metaverse. Like you're going to be walking around in the metaverse and all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I want to figure out what Mike is doing, uh, but I can only look at it for 24 hours. That sounds terrible. I'm just picturing like, oh yeah. I miss Black Mirror. Like, there needs to be a Black Mirror episode on this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Black Mirror would have a heyday today. Um, Today's episode, we're talking about Snapchat, a messaging platform around, I'll call it expiring content. That sounds so fatal. You know, it's like this content (laughs) has expired or it's been canceled. But as Jeff mentioned, Snapchat is a social media platform that really got its claim to fame for disappearing messages, stories. And, And really, I feel like it was one of the first big, serious social media challengers to Facebook. And so anecdotally, do you still use Snapchat, Jeff? I don't use Snapchat anymore. Mm, same. Um, I think I stopped using it, I don't know, maybe when Instagram started becoming even bigger. I think around the time Instagram got stories that I stopped using Snapchat. Yeah, I think it's, it's the exact same for me. It's like, well, everyone, I can only post one story. It was like weird. I was posting stories on Instagram and on Snapchat for a while. Then I'm like, this is stupid. No yeah. one cares. <laughs> But anyways, so talking through like what the Snapchat customer experience is, so I actually had to re-download the app. So um, I'm going to talk like a total boomer for a little while here. But <laughs> um, you log in, you connect your friends via phone numbers. There's QR codes, all sorts of ways to connect, like username handles. Are they called usernames or handles? Jeff, what do the youths call it nowadays? I don't know. Tags. I have no clue, actually. <laughs> um, but anyways, like so on like, snap the- Snap name. Yes, snap name. Snap Twitter. Give me your face chats. Oh, this is too bad. Too much. But anyway, so you're greeted with five tabs on the website. Or sorry, on the... See, now I'm talking like a boomer. On the website. You're greeted with five tabs on the Snapchat. Oh my gosh. Typo. You're greeted with five tabs on the Snapchat app. So the first is... And the main... The first is the main one, which is stories, where you can see all sorts of short form vertical video content. Mm-hmm. Um, this includes three different big buckets. So your friends uh, stories. So if your friends have, uh, you know, posted their, you know, 10 second disappearing message, or it's like an image or a video, you'll, you'll see that the next bucket is subscriptions. So these are accounts that you subscribe to. Some of these subscriptions are actually snap original content. So this is short form content that, you know, tells a story in, in vertical form. Um, if you're interested in short form vertical form content and the effectiveness of that, Definitely check out our episode on Quibi that we recorded, I think, 30 or 40 episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last uh, tab that they have, or last bucket rather in the stories tab, is uh, Discovery. So this honestly just feels like, you know, eye candy. And it's just anything to just get you to look and stay on the app. It's just all sorts of things like that are just like super, you know, from like pimple popping to just like thirst traps and just like, I don't know, it's it's, it's weird to go down the Discovery path. Um 
Mike, those are usually recommended by your previous history, <laughs> so I don't want to go into it. You do you, but I, I, I'm assuming that you might have searched some of this stuff before. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but the one of the other tabs is the Spotlight tab. So this just appears like to be the TikTok equivalent, where basically mm -hmm. it's just going to show looping videos that are randomly shown to you, similar to the TikTok video experience if you use, use TikTok. TikTok, oh my gosh, TikTok. <laughs> then there's the Chat tab. So this is where um, it's essentially your direct messages. So uh, you'll have all of the different people that you're friends with and you can see their messages that they sent to you. You can set those messages to disappear after 24 hours instantly as soon as mm -hmm. they read it or just keep the conversation going, add friends, search for friends all during the, that chat tab. And then the, the, the last one or the second last one rather is the location tab, which to me is like super interesting, but also super, super creepy. It like definitely toes the line of like, weirdness there but you can actually see your friends on a map instantly it's really interesting really cool um, but also huh. weird where you can like another like snapchat product that they have is something called a, a bitmoji which is basically like it gives you the ability to create like your avatar or like a fake you in digital form um that literally pops up on the map so you can see like hey like here's like where mike is and he's like wearing a buffalo bills hat and you can like deck out your bitmoji with all of this so um really interesting and it's actually kind of you know they have the location tab as a heat map so for example i was like, oh. looking at it this morning where you can see there's a ton of activity at places that are you know just tourist hotspots so for example um you know i'm about to take a trip to california so i was just looking on the california side of things and there is a there is a hotspot in the san diego zoo and so you can actually tap on that and then you're just shown like random things that are happening at the san diego zoo so like i'm tapping oh, through it now cool. and you know i see like people looking at all sorts of random things i can go to SeaWorld too so but yeah you can go like anywhere in the world so like if i wanted to drop down to like guatemala you can see like the hotspots in guate city and just like see what's going on and this is just some dude's face with hearts on it that's strange there's more it's the same dude it's actually all snapchats of that dude but anyways it's all public <laughs> your <laughs> algorithm is just gonna get messed up now it's just <laughs> all of your spotlight is gonna be this one guy mike loves this guy exactly 50 of his views are from this guy <laughs> exactly but yeah it's just super interesting where it's kind of like a choose your own adventure because you know like i mentioned earlier is like the the business of snapchat or maybe i haven't mentioned this already but the business of snapchat is just an eyeball mine an eyeball factory just getting people to stay on the platform and engage on the platform to serve folks ads so we've talked a lot about these businesses in the in the past but this is just very similar to one way that I'll gauge like the effectiveness of Snapchat is by just looking at something that we've measured in the past, which is average revenue per user or ARPU. Um, ARPU is a really good metric to look at any eyeball business, especially like Snapchat. So if you look at uh, Snapchat, they've definitely seen really steady growth. Um, and I found this super surprising just because I've dropped off of Snapchat as yeah. a platform. Um, but in Q4 of 2021, Snap saw $4.06 in revenue per user, which is a 10x from five years ago in 2016 when it was only 32 cents per user. Um, oh, but it still feels like there's a ton of upward revenue that Snap can uh, attain or achieve. So if you compare it to the king of eyeball mining, <laughs> which is Facebook or Meta mm -hmm. now, Facebook gets about $10.14 <laughs> per user worldwide. And then if you look at just the U.S. and Canada market segment, that's like $53.56 per user. Um, and this is quarterly? 
Yeah. Um, well, that's like the quarterly metric. Uh-huh. They, so it's just been like steady growth and over time. Man, that's insane. Totally. And then looking at just, um, you know, the sheer quantity of like how many, how much time these users are spending on Snapchat. So it's about 30 minutes um, for an average user that spends on Snapchat every day with over 3 billion snaps that have been created. So just like looking at like the quick mental math there, it's, you know, they're getting like, you know, eight bucks an hour <laughs> from like, you know, a customer that, that spends there. So that means an advertiser is willing to spend, you know, $8 to have you hold you captive while you're seeing, seeing your friend stories or all this other there's trap weird content and popping stuff i have no idea it's just a it's just a weird weird place there's a couple things that i want to discuss i think the first thing is that snapchat feels like probably the first or maybe one of the earlier short form content social media platforms and then short form became like the thing Mm -hmm. it was really interesting before long form was like a really big deal like think about youtube or like just pictures and posts which are they last forever But YouTube was like, how can we get these like 30 minute, one hour long videos on YouTube? And then people started to get really tired and burn out. And then I think the sweet spot was around seven minutes. Then Snapchat really took that to the extreme and started doing these like micro content, you know, 30 second, 60 second pieces of content that you can view that were, you call it disappearing, expiring, whatever. And it makes you feel like I have to look at this thing or it's going to be gone forever. Yep. So it creates a sense of urgency for people to need to be in the loop. And maybe this is primarily driven around the fear of missing out. So FOMO and people just like, I, I need to see this. Otherwise, I'm not going to get to see this. I think that ballooned into like a really strong social media trend. If you look at Instagram, they have stories today and it's not 30 seconds or 60 seconds, but 24 hour expiring content. And if you look at everybody else that started to do stories, <laughs> LinkedIn, which is unfortunate. Twitter, yeah, yeah, Twitter, like, yeah. yeah. But I think maybe they found the sweet spot of like, it's not necessarily that the time matters. It's actually the fact that it is expiring at all that makes people feel like I I have to check this out. Like what's what's the new new, what's hot, fresh and relevant that might not be relevant to me in, you know, however many weeks. So yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I definitely think that Snapchat maybe kind of broke ground there in terms of short form content and also content that's expiring. And I want to talk a bit about this growth chart that you've just kind of mentioned. And Mm -hmm. I think that's especially interesting because as you and I mentioned, we dropped off maybe like around that 2016 mark or 2017 mark, right? We stopped using Snapchat. I think that what you're finding is that people kind of move through platforms as they, I'll just say like aging out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some platforms that definitely have a longer, larger window of aging out. So Facebook has obviously come into this problem. So if you remember, Facebook came out when we were like early high school around like 2004, where most people were starting to get onto the platform and then it kind of expanded. And now like our parents are on Facebook. And so some of the younger generations trying to get out of Facebook and Facebook definitely saw that as a problem. You know, if our main demographic is going to be phasing out of the platform, we need to be able to secure our kind of like future business model. And what did they do? They went out and inquired the hottest social media platform at the time, which is Instagram. Yep. And Instagram is now probably their profit leader in social media and eyeballs and, and things like that. Because, you know, it's got this target demographic of, I don't know, millennials to Gen Z probably. And I don't know. What's beyond Gen Z? Gen Alpha? I, I don't remember what it's called. I, I, don't, it's I, don't, even know there, I, right I don't even know that there was they're, one. <laughs> they're, they're, they're all in cribs right now. So I don't know. know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think Snapchat 
is still sort of capturing this part of the age life cycle, which is like maybe like younger, I guess like teens to like early 20s. One thing that I've heard is that Snapchat started to do, I think this was around when we were there, but we didn't care that much about it. But Snapchat started to do this thing called a snap score. And basically Mm. it's a consistency model to get you to keep engaging. And by sending more Snapchats, reviewing more Snapchats, just being active, you keep your snap score pretty high. And it's just something that people cared about. It's kind of like a badge. And I know that people have been building their snap score from the time that they were 13, 14, when they can actually get on the app and then up to like through college. And it's now become a like inertia for people to not leave Snapchat. Like they want to stick around because they're afraid of losing this fake score, but it's like important to them. Right. And there's no other platform that has that. Like, If I walked away from Instagram today, I would just be like, okay, great. I'll have to like connect with these people in another form. But if there's another platform that replaces Instagram, there's nothing that like, oh no, I'm going to lose this Instagram score or lose my digital assets or whatever. And so I think that's an interesting play from Snapchat. I'm not saying that that is like the end all be all, but it is, it's keeping people from bleeding out of the platform into other maybe similar-esque things like TikTok and Instagram and I think that's that just means that they're growing over time because these people are still coming onto the platform younger and then they're staying on and they haven't really maybe found a reason to leave. Yeah. And that stickiness and, you know, is super powerful, you know, like just asking the question of like, how do you keep your users engaged? And I, I remember before I dropped off of like, you, you would have like snap streaks and also like you could see mm-hmm. like who your top friends are that you were actually like, yeah. you know, talking with like on a daily basis. And that just like inertia that it created of like, hey, like, I'm just going to chat with this person because I've chatted with them like six days in a row, which is something that you did because, you know, you didn't want to lose that streak or you're, yeah. you're on this like streaks super are, long. Yeah. Streaks are definitely a powerful behavioral pattern. I mean, look at Wordle today. <laughs> People yeah. are like afraid of losing their Wordle streak. And they're, you know, it's like it's become like a big deal to them. So Let's, many, so many cross episodes, collaboration there. So there are drops there from Wordle to, to Quibi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Check out our episode on Wordle if you haven't. Um, let's chat about the history of our product. So in 2011, Reggie Brown had this idea for Snapchat and he called it this ephemeral messaging platform. They brought in another person, Bobby Murphy, who was kind of like the, the CS student that actually coded the original prototype. And it launched in Evan Spiegel's dad's house as a product called Peekaboo. And this was iOS only, which is like, again, it's like a recurring thing where people like to launch on iOS before Android. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I know. RIP. Um, I think most people recognize Evan Spiegel as like the the, the main figurehead of, of Snapchat, or now I think it's called Snap. But basically, it was founded by these three guys, Evan Spiegel, Bobby Murphy, and Reggie Brown. They had actually rebranded Peekaboo to Snapchat, and they kicked Reggie Brown out. Again, this is like... <laughs> Typical social media startup. Like if yep. you look at, if you've seen the social network, this is definitely something that happened. The Winklevoss uh, twins. As well. Yeah. Or like Eduardo. Yeah. It's just something that it's kind of like a check mark that you have to get in order to launch a social media platform is kick somebody out. Exactly. Yeah. Does that mean Reggie's doing cryptocurrency right now? I don't know. Like I'm just guessing. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. So during um, Reggie Brown's senior year at Stanford, he actually emailed Spiegel attempting to like renegotiate his equitable share and kind of get back into the Snapchat company. Snapchat lawyers had actually accused Brown of fraud and basically was saying like, you you weren't part of this initial team. You didn't have anything to do with Snapchat, maybe because of the rebranding. I'm not sure. 
Um, so in 2014, they finally settled for a meager $157.5 million wow. <laughs> and credited Brown as one of the original founders. But I don't think he has much to do with the... Co- I don't know if that was in cash or equity. Um, but or crypto. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is in 2014. So crypto is like, you know, a twinkle in somebody's eye at the point. Uh, but, you know, Brown was finally credited as, as one of the founders. Going back, Snapchat had launched an Android app in 2012. In 2012... They also reported they shared over 1 billion photos on the Snapchat iOS app, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it was only one year after they had launched and they had over 20 million photos being shared per day. Wow. But I think it it makes a lot of sense, right? The photos are pretty easy to take. You're kind of encouraged to take short form photos. So you might send, you know, five Snapchats a day of like random things and it's it's things that you're throwing away anyway. So maybe you feel like you don't need to take time to take the perfect picture and edit it and do all these crazy things. That's like a huge like trend like, that's just like changed over like 15 years. It's just like photography. It's like mm-hmm. you just take photos now. Like it's just it used to be like this whole like thing. Like, like imagine if you told someone like the 1890s when like it was like you had to hold took still. Two million photos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You had to hold still for five minutes and not smile and all those yeah. like, classic photos. And now it's just like ah, fucking like, here's a selfie. Barrier to entry, <laughs> yeah, is so low. And because you don't have to use film and you're not worried about, I have sixty, I have sixty tries on this roll of film, right? Versus like I've got a camera and it's got a battery and storage, but I can take a million photos before I have to worry about any of those those factors talking about snapchat's strategy around capturing people as they kind of progress through the social media lifeline they released a product called snap kids and snap kids was aimed to capture people that were under 13 it sounds really weird but you know in the u.s there's basically like a consent thing where if you're online you have to be 13 or older but snap kids was intended for kids to use they were allowed to take pictures and draw on them and save them locally but weren't able to send anything to anybody i think it's just a way to get people like 11 or 12 and you hear your older cousin using snapchat you kind of want to try it out and see what it's like you're kind of i won't call it a gateway drug but it's just a way for you (laughs) to like start using snapchat and getting used to like the core totally activities behaviors that you would do you take pictures you might draw on them and then you don't send them, but when you hit 13, you can start sending them. Another anecdote, I'm pretty sure most people, at least when I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12, and I was looking at signing those consent forms, I always checked the box that I was 13 and older. You know, I wasn't 13, <laughs> exactly. So. What's the statute yeah. of limitations for that? <laughs> yeah, don't don't come after me, um, AOL, or whatever I was signing yeah, for. Exactly. Um, probably, it was probably aimed to be honest. Yep. In, uh, 2017, Snap had done a redesign of the app, which led to a lot of criticism over the UI. People were like using Snapchat a lot. And I think usually any major rehaul or redesign typically makes people upset (laughs) over any changes. People are, are, um, habitual creatures. So when you change how they use something daily, uh, it becomes an issue. Here's where it gets interesting. Kylie Jenner found out about this redesign in 2018, uh, and she tweeted about it that she was unhappy. And that alone caused Snapchat to lose $1.2 billion in market value, which That's is insane stupid. how That's much so stupid. <laughs> power that one person has over tweeting. And again, you know, the markets are usually forward looking. So mm-hmm. markets changing negatively means that they expect Snapchat to lose value over the next year. So they thought that by Kylie Jenner tweeting, it meant that in a year, Snapchat was like on the downtrend. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of crazy to kind of think about. 
2020, there was a new program called Snapchat Spotlight, which you mentioned before, and Snapchat announced that it would pay a total of $1 million, kind of like a bounty to users who had posted viral videos. Oh, that's so cool. However, the term viral is obviously subjective, and from what I understand, there's no clear criteria to being viral. So who's to know if they've paid anybody at this point? Um, I think, <laughs> well, uh, you know, obviously they have stuff that's in Snapchat Spotlight. I guess if you're on, if you get spotlighted, you probably get paid some money. But that goes back to what Mike was saying about in this case, they're spending money for the eyeballs, knowing that they're going to earn that back in long-term value um, over time. Totally. I didn't want to bog the episode down with all the funding details, but one bit of funding that was, I think, really interesting was that in 2012, Barry Eggers, who was a director at Lightspeed Ventures, which is obviously a VC firm, found the top three most popular apps amongst his teenage daughter's friends. So he was basically like, hey, teenage daughter, what are the top three apps that you guys like to use? And here are the top three. Number one was Angry Birds. Again, this is 2012. Mm -hmm. Second was Instagram. And the third was Snapchat. So I think he had recognized that there was this new player in the space that was, again, attaching themselves to this particular age group of teenage uh, users in 2012. And so he agreed to invest $485,000 into the company at the time. So I don't think that was for VC. That's a pretty tame investment. Yeah. Um, but I thought what was more interesting was how he found the product, which which was asking a demographic that wasn't himself. So basically being like, hey, I understand that the next generation of social media users are going to be using a product that might be different from Facebook, from Instagram, which are you know the two main players at the time. What is that product? Uh, and I, I want to get on that boat as soon as possible. Imagine cool. knowing about TikTok 10 years before everybody else knew about TikTok, right? Or yeah. It wasn't 10 years in this case, but like as early as possible. You definitely want to invest. For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is super interesting. And it you know, kind of leads like well into the next segment of just who Snapchat is for. And I have it as youths. <laughs> you know, like that's who Snapchat is for. Youths. Um, Fellow kids. <laughs> exactly. As Jeff, you know, and I mentioned earlier, it's like I've stopped using it and I know only a handful of people are on it, but it looks like it's still growing like crazy, which is wild, you know, for me. And, you know, just looking at like my history and I was a heavy Snapchat user in 2014, definitely sending daily snaps. And there was only 50 million daily active users. But in the last quarter, Snapchat has grown to just about 300 million daily active users in Q4 of 2021. So, mm-hmm. you know, to 6x over, you know, six years and to continue growing, it's kind of like, where is all that growth coming from? And if someone like me who's gone through that and like, it, I did enjoy using the platform. Um, yeah. But I've dropped, dropped off, off of it. And so it, it like pulled up some data. And so it looks at just the Snapchat user is just younger. You know, 65% of US internet users from the ages 15 to 29 years old use Snapchat. So it's, it's definitely that younger demographic. And then from 30 to 49, which is a huge range and a bad demographic, but anyways, it's only 24% of folks that are that age use it. And then at 50 to 64, it drops down to 12%. And then at 65 and above, it's only 2% of US internet users that are on Snapchat. So definitely younger. And I feel like it just has that more youthful feel. And it also might be like, I'm trying to think of like that, the experiences that you're having when you're, you know, that age from like 13 through, you know, 25 is like, you're starting off in like entering high school and then going into college. And so you have these like groups of friends. So maybe it just feels more natural to be there as opposed to being on Instagram where Instagram, like kind of feels like we've all like dispersed, like you've met people along the way and you follow people and you can just kind of see like their like static images and, and all of that. So yeah. it's interesting to your point, like earlier in the show, I never thought of it as like, 
you're going to age out of a platform eventually. And so I, I feel like, you know, Snapchat, like that's just what happened to me. And am I a boomer, Jeff? Is this, <laughs> is this how it happens? But yeah, that's who Snapchat is for. It's definitely for younger. And one thing that I wanted to call it that we haven't yet is just like two other product features that I really enjoy is like lenses which is basically applying specific filters over yourself where it combines like artificial intelligence with like overlaid on your, on your screen mm-hmm. to basically change, maybe add a hat to you or like there's one that makes you a dog. And then there's also like a filter that just like adjusts that. One of my favorites is, of all time is my sister and I actually look very, very similar. And then my sister took a Snapchat and then it was, you know, if you were a female, it would make you look like a male. And so my sister did this and she looked exactly like me. Like, and we, we sent, and she sent it to like my family group chat and, and we're, and my mom was like, please delete this photo. Like, this is, this is like, it's <laughs> so creepy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So creepy. And then the last thing that I thought was super interesting because I know we're about to go into competitors is in 2013, Mark Zuckerberg offered Snapchat $3 billion mm-hmm. to be purchased, which is like, a crazy valuation. This is like more two than, years more after than Instagram. Funded. Yeah, yeah, that was more than Instagram's acquisition. Um, it, exactly. Proposal. And I always thought that that was like an awful idea. I was like, why would you turn down that money? And like now, like looking at uh, Snapchat, like their you know quarterly revenue or sorry yearly revenue is about four billion dollars, four point two billion dollars in twenty twenty one. So thank God I'm not running the ship of multi billion dollar decisions because I would have <laughs> made the wrong one there. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to touch on two things before we jump into competitors. One is that. I know that this chart is broken down from 18 to 29 year olds. Again, I also think that's a big range. I want to know specifically like 18 to 24, if that carries most of that 65%. Mm. My guess is that it probably does. Same. Uh, And then the second thing is what's also interesting to me here is that this 50 to 64 year old demographic is 12% of the total Snapchat user base, at least in the US. I find that that's even pretty interesting. Like I would have expected that to be in single digits. So we're looking at basically 30 million users, just doing the quick math, Um, 30 million daily active users are 50 to 64 years old using Snapchat, which to me is mind blowing. Like, I feel like that's a pretty, pretty high number of folks that, uh, (laughs) you know, for a a product that is mainly intended for the younger audience um, in their social media journey, I guess I'll call it. uh, That's a pretty, pretty large number. Yeah. And (laughs) it's funny, like the. I'm thinking of like the Venn diagram of people that go to Kid Rock concerts and use Snapchat and are above 50 (laughs) (laughs) are probably in that middle section. Using geotags and stuff. Exactly. That's really funny. But not to to stereotype, but to stereotype. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about competitors. Um, The first one that came to mind is Instagram stories, mostly because that's probably the most popular 24-hour story slash disappearing piece of content. Obviously, other companies are using stories today, like Twitter is another competitor that uses stories. And even that kind of makes sense. And then LinkedIn was using stories yep. too, which I think is really strange. Definitely check out our LinkedIn episode if you haven't. Uh, but j- yeah, just social media in general. TikTok is probably the king of short form media. Mm-hmm. And I think this trend is not going to stop. You know, having media disappear, having media be shorter form. People just have pretty short attention spans today. uh, And they just get media in like a quick and dirty way that, you know, they can look at at as many stories as possible from a bunch of different people. So yeah, I think Snapchat kind of paved the way for a lot of this stuff and be interesting to see what they're going to try next and see how that kind of like shakes up the social media ecosystem. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Well, we can dive in with our thoughts. I'm I'm happy to kick this off. So um, I'll... 
I'll start off with saying Snapchat is probably a 3.9. I think my mental model for our five-star scale, which is very unscientific, Mike score and Jeff scores, is just if it's four stars and above, I'm going to be using it. I'm going to, you know, it's basically like my usability. If it's four and above, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start using it. And because I stopped using Snapchat, that's why it's going to fall over 3.9. But I think like a huge kudos to like the strategy that they have is like they know their target customer is younger and they are just building the you know entire platform even some of like their original content it's like you know the one that i saw for a little bit uh, this morning as i was prepping for this episode was like a, it seems to be like a high school student and a story around that of like hey this student going to high school and then moving into college so it definitely makes sense that they're just getting laser focused there so kudos to the team for you know really executing that strategy really well and so like the 3.9 mm-hmm. by no means is like overall of like you know what it's like as mike as a 22 year old but like you know my current you know crotchety old 30 plus year old um <laughs> opinion I, I would say 3.9 and like the, the last thing that i'll say is that um i really enjoy like their customer experience in terms of just like the things that they were able to pioneer you know, the stories yeah. has just like exploded and be- become like to your, like what you've been saying jeff like a huge anchor for like all these other social media platforms and they really were able to crush the short form content. So definitely high ratings of like, of like everywhere else. Like if I was younger, I'd definitely rate this higher, but for me it's, it's 3.9, but that's just a kudos to the team because they know their target segment. Yeah. I echo everything that you've said. I think that I've also aged out. It's weird to say aged out of <laughs> Snapchat. Um, but I do think that they've done a lot of really good things or at least groundbreaking things in terms of, social media trends, mainly stories, and also this idea of temporary content. Some of the other things like Spotlight, which is basically like a recommendation engine and having these small circles of people are not necessarily novel. And again, I've, I'm using other platforms now to get basically the same sort of stuff. I'm going to give it like a 3.7. I don't foresee myself moving back to Snapchat in any way, shape or form. So I think once I've kind of like moved on from a platform, it's going to be really hard to recapture me as a, as a user. But who knows, maybe I'm going to show up in that 12% of 50 to 64 year olds at some point <laughs> down the line, depending on, on what Snapchat does. But yeah, for me, it's a 3.7. Yeah, and if that happens, Jeff, I'll, I'll send you some Kid Rock uh, vinyls, and we'll we'll go nuts and get some matching tattoos. <laughs> oh, we don't we won't need to. We can just use our lens filters and get you know AR VR tattoos and put geo filters <laughs> on geo tags and stuff like that. Exactly. Well, I apologize for any of our audience that is huge Kid Rock fans. Um, don't mean to disparage you, but yeah, all seven of you. <laughs> exactly. Well, those are our thoughts on on Snapchat and how Jeff and I have aged out of a platform and similar age of aging out of professional sports. So I guess we're just at that age of aging out of things. Um, we but, can't do anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'd love to hear from you, our audience. We love all the engagement that we've had from all of our folks on Twitter when you tag us on episodes. We really appreciate it. It means a lot. And I think one of the things that we'd love to see is, you know, definitely give us a, leave us a review on your favorite platform that, you know, makes a huge way and huge help for us to continue making this content for you. But you can find us at Products Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.